Yo, what's good? It's Counter Currents, your host P. Steel from and, fucking Take Two. Yeah, and your host Elena Torres. We are here Take Twoing. We had some technical difficulties, but we're here. We're ready to talk to you guys with our great guest today, local comedian and wonderful friend, hilarious Ivy League educated lawyer. Please welcome. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Teresa Concepcion! Yay! I feel like I've won an award. Yeah. Thanks, guys. International yeah. comedian. Yeah, oh, true. there you go. You yeah. fucking hang out with socialists. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, apparently. What, what socialist are we talking about? Let's hear the story. So yesterday, um, I was in Capitol Hill, and I met Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the uh, new junior congresswoman from New York. Woo! Yay! Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was at a comedy show just enjoying as an audience member for a change um, down the block at the Ugly Mug. And Jordan Sikyu, who's pronouncing, I hope I pronounced that right, but he was producing the show and he came onto the stage and he was like, hey, everybody, I just saw AOC outside and I invited her to come by and she said she might. So, you know, stay tuned. So that obviously means bullshit. Yeah. I just want to eat Korean wings. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but... I asked him, I was, like, I was like, where is she? And he was like, well, I don't really want to say because, you know, her privacy, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, I'm like, dude, I'm from North Jersey. I'm Puerto Rican. Like, you need to tell me where she is right now. Avanza cabron. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then he was like, okay, make a right outside the door, go down to the end of the block, and she's in the Korean spot. So I went in, and it's like this teeny tiny takeout place. Probably should be its new name. Teeny tiny, teeny, tiny takeout. Take um, Sounds Korean. Teeny tiny yeah. takeout. But uh, but it had she had four metro cops with her sitting at like the one table that was there, and she and another lady were at the counter. Um, and like I had to take it in for a second to figure out my approach because the the four guys were very big. You know they had like the full vests and like all their gear Tactical and all that shit. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which was impressive and intimidating. So I pretended to order something, and then I just said, fuck it, and I went over. Like, I had to bypass the cops and, like, squeeze over to where she was sitting. That's how narrow it was. And then I just said, hi. I'm like, you know, just want to make sure. Are you Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? And she's like, yes. And I just said, you know, hey, I'm from New Jersey, and my father's family's from the Bronx, and, you know, we're all Puerto Rican and really proud, and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And I just, like, you know, shouted. I'm like, you know... You know, I like what you're saying with respect to, like, education reform and the New Green Deal. And so, and then I was like, can I geek out and have a picture? And she was like, yeah. So cool. That was it. That's crazy yeah. that she needs so much security already. I know. It's insane. It was, yeah, she has her entourage. And they, and the thing about it, too, is that they weren't plain clothes. Like, it was as obvious. Like, they were all in the blue, like, uniform. Like, so, she had a security escort to yeah. go get Korean food on mm-hmm. a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. So, Full so, time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was excited about that. And then... Um, I think she's kind of resentful that Trump's going to have that detail even after he's out of office. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. They keep yeah. him There's around. There's so many benefits that he And he'll just be eating fucking Big Macs. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Trump, do you guys think... What do you guys think of this three-week thing? I know everybody's talking about it. It's annoying. But do you really think it's going to... Do you think... After three weeks, he'll shut it down again? No, I don't. No. No. Because it's stupid at this point. That, that shutdown costs more, actually, than the wall would have cost to build. Yeah. And so that's why he's back on his horse again about, oh, yeah, now we can build it again after I ate crow, and I didn't like doing that for 24 hours. So, yeah, you know, yeah. 
No, he lost. He's finished, I think. Really? Yeah. I mean, momentum-wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I just looked at it, like you said, he couldn't stand being a loser for 24 hours because that was what the media spin was. Right. That, you know, we got the budget and he needed the wall, and then we went through, like, three weeks of nonsense. Yeah. And I really feel bad for the contractors who aren't going to get back their pay. back pay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what a lot of... It was funny, I was in an Uber a few days ago, and the Uber driver was like... He full time he full time drives for Uber and he's like I've lost over two thousand dollars just from the shutdown because right. all the tourists that he takes around right all the museums are closed mm-hmm. and just people going to work and doing stuff he's like you know I I'm like the equivalent of a contractor all the government workers are gonna get their payback but everyone else who Was in impacted. this city right. who gets impacted because that's where their main business is from right like all the yeah. lunch places everything was right. impacted yeah. right. You know, the little guy gets in the balls. And, I mean, I invited a friend of mine to uh, the show last night, or two nights ago. I was hosting for Andrew Santino, and uh, great shows. But, you know, this gal and her friend were lawyers at the DOJ, and she oh, just wow. bought mm-hmm. a house two months prior. Wow. And, that you sucks. know, maybe I, I didn't get into all the specifics or right. whatever, but I was like, yeah, you know, I know you need some entertainment. So I got Pete to comp them tickets and shit, which nice. was cool. Oh, that was nice. And yeah, then yeah. the day of, the shutdown was announced done. So I was like, yeah, so I know you got your money back. So now I'm going to cut you a half price deal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, At least a... for the next three. I don't know. I, that's the thing. I just, he's so crazy and unpredictable. Like, I feel like just for his ego in three weeks, he might and you know what try I... to do it again. It's so ridiculous. It's all yeah. so stupid. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the wall in general is so stupid. Like, so many people don't realize that that's just not going to work. It'll for what work. they're trying to do. That, that will never work. It's like, really not. I don't really think it's even, I think it's more symbolic. I mean, I think he's trying to it sell it as something that's going to be, you know, productive. But, I mean, they have over 300 tunnels right yeah. now that they've that's, discovered. And that's, that's only that's what, what they know, know about. about. Yeah. That's right. the thing. Every, all the drugs get in through tunnels. And by the way, these tunnels are super sophisticated. Yeah, they've they got, got ventilation yeah. and electricity and all these, like, pit yeah. stops and rail yeah. tracks and stuff. Yeah, so. there's not, I mean, and the border, people don't understand, like, the border is so big. It's so huge. That's the reason that Mexico... By the way, the reason the drug trade is in Mexico is because of that border. You think Mexico likes having the drug trade? Like, that's... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's caused so many more problems within the nation than outside. And that's... I mean, that's where the main... You know, all the the worst stuff that comes from Mexico comes from. I mean, immigration, that's... I mean, most countries in the world are dealing with that anyway. And I think it was AOC who said most of immigration is people overstaying visas... Yeah. Anyway, coming mm-hmm. illegally, not yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. Crossing the border, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Guys like but, Chris Milner, you know. Yeah, yeah I was, yeah, just, I was just thinking about yeah. him. Yeah, when you said that, and he and his wife just had to completely change their lives. She just yeah. moved back to, to join him in London. I know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know. It's just Chris um, Milner was a local comic. Everybody who's listening, if you don't know, Chris Milner is a local comic who is from England and he got deported for reasons that we won't say aloud or do we want to talk about it? He got, I don't even know, honestly. I mean, because I kind of know, but I'm not going to put it out there. Yeah, I've heard story. I don't know the exact reason why he got deported, so I don't want to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the bottom line is that he got deported, but he had been here like he wasn't. 
you know, a married public, to an American woman, married what? to an American. He wasn't, you wasn't know, a, a willful threat public or anything. Nuisance yeah, or like anything. he wasn't. No, he was a totally legit guy who was hilarious in yeah. comedy and. And now he's not even doing comedy anymore. Oh, no he way. Like, yeah, because he doesn't have an accent anymore. <laughs> that's hilarious. Is that true? <laughs> no, I wish I was joking, but wow. that's literally what I heard Cherise say. It was wow. that, yeah, he's now he's back, back and he's not home, a novelty. And it's like you know, I mean, I don't know that it's quite that stark because he was really fucking funny. I've seen like some British comics come and eat dicks, you know. Right. That's why it's unfair sometimes to just say, oh yeah, it's just the accent or whatever, like. You know. No, but humor is so is so cultural. It is. Yeah. It's so cool, and that's why even with language, a lot of it doesn't translate. So I could see how maybe, like his whole thing here. Any there, novelty works, you know. Anybody that right. comes up like, oh, I just serve my country," and then get the fucking woo. Right. Or like when I started and I was brand new, I'd definitely make sure to be like, you know, I just celebrated six years without a drink or some bullshit like that. Did you, you know? talk about that on stage? Yeah, but I never went really, really deep into it. I just right. had one kind of slick, hacky one-liner about it. Right. But every time you say that, you get like a, wow, everybody goes really? nuts. So it's like a cheap thing. Yeah. Oh. If you say some shit like, oh, I recovered from some struggle or I'm like... You know, I served abroad, or I just got home, or, you know, whatever it is, people go, ooh. So, Gives them an excuse to like you, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to say it's totally cheap. I mean, because I did it, and... <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's part of who you are, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. for me, I think one of my things is kind of, like, claiming your story and trying to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's like, in comedy, you have to be really authentic... And, but you also have to open yourself up to judgment. And yes. so then when you're talking about things like addiction or mental health or, you know, whatever else your your issue is that made you who you are, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to be open about those things right. because you're afraid of what you're going to get back. Totally. Um, true. Especially when you're bombing because you haven't figured out how to make it funny yet. Right. Right. You know, that's the part where I'm like, yeah. I've tried to, like you know, gently, like, drop some, like, anxiety or depression jokes or therapy jokes, and sometimes they're, like, you kick crickets, and you're, like, fuck, now does everyone think that, you know, like... Right, totally. I'm, you know, X, Y, and Z, as opposed to me thinking I'm probably not even the only person in this room with these problems, you know? So it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to be more authentic on stage. Sure without being like terrified of yeah that. well so, like, that's why i feel like for me still i'm you know i'm only two years in two and a half so i'm like my 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 stories are very surface still mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think the same thing and you also i think the relationship to those subjects on the stage is so different to the your relationship of those subjects in life like I'm also sober, and I never, outside this podcast, I never talk about it publicly, and I never, ever talk, tell people, unless I know them really well and they ask, Right? will I tell them, like, how that all went down? Because you get so much judgment, especially right. in a professional environment. Right. Like, I get nervous about talking about it because I don't need another reason for a booker to hate me, for a booker to be like, oh, Elena's got drinking problems or whatever but it's like dude it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. but still you know some guy being like this chick has addiction issues i don't want to talk about it and so the way that i get more paranoid about the way people are going to judge it off stage right than yeah. they are on yeah. because right. on i feel like a lot of that stuff disappears like, even if you are bombing like you can talk about such vulnerable stuff but 
because there's something magical about it being on stage and people kind of walk off and take it for what it is but don't look at you in that light. But if they know you personally, yeah. then I feel like you get seen in a different light. So it's a very, I feel like it's a really, I mean, it's brave to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a new depression bit that I did on stage all weekend, actually. How'd it go? It, it kind of hit. It was good. I mean, it's definitely, I need to do some probing, some fixing or whatever, but I definitely found kind of moments where I would say something to one crowd and it would get nothing. And fine mm-hmm. because it was a setup but then i right. did it as a setup for another thing and i'm like yeah you know i beat clinical depression or whatever but it was going like woo stuff like that yeah. you know and i was like whoa and then i was like oh cool another drug addict over there yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i just toyed around with it and you know that's something interesting to try when you're up typically i never advocate doing this but i think now that i'm getting to seven years in I've started to feel a little more loose and I usually go if I have 10 minutes as like a hosting thing at a club I just stick to the pretty much the a script you know to Mm -hmm. crush or whatever but now I sandwich bits in from time to time maybe just one thing Mm -hmm. just to see what it's like doing that with 300 people like you know it kind of is gonna go all right in a shitty bar and grill where you're working it out and maybe you know like half of the people in the room that are also just comics and you've kind of earned their respect and they kind of just laugh out of like you know anticipation Mm -hmm. well of course he's funny so whatever he says has to be kind of funny or whatever but people you don't know that's like another litmus test you know so i don't think it hurts to try that maybe not too early in or whatever but once you're a little more relaxed if you're really crushing throw it in there and just see what it does and then it kind of gives you another skeleton to sort of like polish up and make a better joke out of yeah i think also sometimes though i feel like in those rooms you know those 300 people rooms Mm -hmm. like compared to like the shitty bar shows that we all have to do on the regular like Sometimes I feel like they're like too, it feels too forgiving. Because when you're performing in, you know, at an open mic in front of like seven people, they're kind of like, impress me, bitch. Yeah, Whereas it when could go that way. in front of 300 way. people, they are so ready to laugh. Like when you yeah. do DC improv, then that open mic, and that's full and packed. Yeah, they because are that's so what they're ready for. for you. Yeah. The thing that I find funny too is like sometimes when you go to one of our bar shows, the people are caught off guard that there's comedy there. Yes. So yes. that's like another yeah. element of why you have to work even harder to try to win them over. Because they'll totally. be like, I wanted to talk to my girlfriends and shoot the shit. And now we're being told to, you know, keep it down because there's a comedy show starting that adds to the hostility. Right, right. right. This the is crowd. the one bar that plays Buffalo Sabres games. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you need to fucking ruin it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I feel like that if you can work it on in those with those people that didn't even know they were there to see comedy, like right. I feel like then, then you're your right. shit's great. Like sometimes when I do or like state theater or the improv or some of these big shows that, that we do, sometimes I'm I'm like, you guys are being too. Nice. I didn't earn that. I didn't yeah. earn that laugh. I've never felt that way. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like if I get an unexpected laugh. I'm just like, yeah, but you know what? what's more disconcerting for me lately is um, that I've had a couple shows where, like, my punchline gets silenced. Like, they, it's like, oh, yeah, somehow I've said it as part of the setup. Yeah. And so 
like I've had to like on my feet kind of like retweak it so that the next premise becomes that punchline so that you get the laugh but it's very like this whole thing where like ha stop and slow sign and there's fucking silence yeah and so I'm like that's usually where yeah I, I've been there sometimes yeah. a room is so tough and either you're not feeling it or something and I'll just be like I know I'll just do the A shit fine this room's tough I'll just do the A shit and I know I'll get a laugh and at least I'll end my set on a big laugh and I'll like finish it with my like big laugh joke and say that laugh and then it's just like crickets <laughs> and you're like well fuck it's <laughs> <laughs> like thanks guys yeah Good yeah night. you're just like my name's Leanna. like fuck <laughs> what what else like <laughs> oh my god you know what kills me though though when when I see people um who don't want to let go because they keep trying to get that laugh yeah mm. it's kind of like chasing an anger thing. yeah because yeah. you're like you're just trying to like figure out how to end it so that you could walk off on a good note mm-hmm. but sometimes you just see them dig deeper and deeper mm-hmm. so that's always like that can be painful that, that, hurts. Just, that hurts then they're just running the light yeah I've then they're running did. the light and pissing off the person who's like running the show but yeah and they're just drowning i'm just kind of like mental note things not to do yeah i I, I ran a show recently where that happened yeah i'm like lighting him and lighting him and i'm like dude it's not it's not happening it's not happening for you like and i just keep light and just keep trying kept trying and then it was just like well and then finally he was like all right i'm done yeah just like okay yeah i had to pull a guy off a stage one time for that i mean he was dirt drunk to begin with but he went on and my system was always like for my first room like yo everybody gets five so at a glance the process will appear democratic but if you're <laughs> but if you're crushing i'll yeah. extend it to 20 minutes right right and if you're absolutely eating a dick i'm giving you that light at two or three i don't care right. yeah and it actually was a fine system it worked for a long time we had a great several months of a show and then i had other issues with the man the bar owners but it was one night this guy good guy but he just had a problem and he went up there like (laughs) just kind of like black out i was like yeah we gotta just kill this like i just snatched that mic pulled him out i just sent him in a cab home damn wow yeah it was a thick bill too that's wow. terrible. It was like from DC all the way up to Rockville. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a show here not too long ago where they actually had to put music on to get the person to get off. Get that was out. the first time I've seen that. Wow. So Girl, I know that. I know yeah. the show you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that was just like, it, but again, it's just one of those things where I, you know, a lot of people, I think, gave me a lot of shit when I first got on the scene because I was, like, producing shows right or right away. Right, right. But it's only because, like, I take a very, like, business, like, business approach to everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I got here, I was just like, okay, this is my reality. At the time, I was living an hour away. Right. And I didn't have, like, I was staying till 1130, getting home at 1230, and then waking up at 6 to come around and drive back into D.C., I'm like, I would need something that I can at least get my time, mm-hmm. like, consistently. Mm-hmm. And so that was my motivation, as opposed to, like, you know, oh, who's this bitch trying to take over? Mm. So, 
but when I see things like that, I'm like, it wouldn't hurt for more people to be business minded. Oh, I agree with that. And oh, you yeah. know, just try to run things. In Where a did way. this business approach come from? Because I ask only because I sort of take somewhat of a similar approach. I don't know if I'm quite as hard charging, but there's some things in terms of professionalism, like dress code and grooming and mm-hmm. shit, and being punctual, and being super early for mm-hmm. things yeah. that a lot of people I see take for granted. And of course, mm-hmm. just being sober, I don't tell everybody you gotta be like me, like completely clean, but you shouldn't be a fucking wreck or whatever yeah. and have mm-hmm. those issues. Um, but where, where is, where, who instilled that in you? Well, my mom started taking me to work with her um, when I was about 12. Oh, shit. And so when I was 12, I learned filing. I was like, you know, the errand girl yeah. for everybody. Um, she I, was like, fuck education. You're going to yeah, get no, no, real. I, I was no, like no. The, It was summers and weekends. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so summers and weekends, I started working. Mm-hmm. But then, but it was always like in an office setting. Okay. And like you know, I learned how to answer the phone. I'll never forget. I was like fourteen one summer in my mom's office, and back then they had like this printer system, where you had to like switch, like with a dial, which mm-hmm. printer was going to be working. Mm-hmm. Right. And so everyone was fucking screaming at me all day. Switch it to A. Switch it to B. Switch it to B. Switch it to mm-hmm. A. And I'm 14, answering phones, switching the damn printer, mm-hmm. running around filing, getting everyone's lunches. Mm-hmm. And so, for me to make that work, I just had to figure out my systems. Right. Right. You know. Right. So very early on, I became someone who was like, "There's got to be a better way to make this work than people fucking just screaming randomly right. at each other." Like mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um. So that was like solution based, solution based thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's always just been how I am. Um, and then I went to law school and law school kind of makes you serpentine that too. Mercurial. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but the, the pro like when you think like a lawyer, all of a sudden it's like everything is a potential issue, Mm -hmm. you know? So you have to think like five problems down the line. Yeah. Because it's your job to prevent those problems. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm writing a contract for someone, I have to anticipate someone's not going to be able to pay. Let's say they run out of money. What if they file for bankruptcy? What if they do this, that, and the third? Right. This is how I have to write this to prevent all of these things from fucking up my client. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, when I look at things, that's how I'm always thinking. Like, okay, if we have this problem, which for when I started, let's say, was a lack of mic time for me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm then okay here's a room that i found here's some equipment i can borrow right you know here's how i can like start booking comics and then it just became you know its sure. own thing mm-hmm. um but yeah but it wasn't that i was just trying to like i was that's just how i think when i think about problems and i said i said this at my um show the other day i kind of was trained in law school you you kind of learn how to think like a white guy okay you do because the first year i was there I need some help in that department. Well, Cornell... What do you mean by thinking like a white guy? So, I went to Cornell Law School, and the school... The classes are very small, like 120 students. And there were probably maybe 25, 20 or 25 black and Hispanic students combined. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, we kind of all clicked up, and the vast majority of us went to, like, state schools or working-class families. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our white counterparts... Their parents were lawyers or doctors, judges, mm-hmm. Congress people. Like 
a lot of them were super wealthy mm-hmm. and they had had a different education than we had had right. right and they just had a different entitlement right right because when you're a working you know class person or at least for me I was kind of raised to like don't bother your elders Mm-hmm. Don't make yourself problematic. Right. If you mm-hmm. have a problem, figure it out by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we all tried to do that, and it was kind of a blind leading the blind. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. But I would see in my classes that the white guys were always, like, the first to raise their hand. There was one dude who literally chased professors down the hall. Like, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got all the office hours, and they all, like, you know, were we're getting like these amazing grades. Right. And so I was so pissed off because I knew that I could do better. Right. Sure. And cause my first year grades weren't what I wanted them to be. So the second year I was like, you know what, anything that I see a white guy doing, I'm doing. So I set up weekly appointments with all of my professors mm-hmm. to talk to them every Friday. I talked to them after every class. I went and made Listen sure they up, gave me like, uh, Listeners, exams. yeah, like Tom Brokaw agrees. Yeah, like, but I also like I picked my three professors. I'm like, who are the professors I'm gonna get to know? Right. Because you also have to know people so that they can write you letters of recommendation, so they can vouch for you, so they can do all these other things. It's great strategy. So and then great everything strategy. everything went through the roof after that, and then you know then I felt better and I was like, okay, yeah. I belong here. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not a matter of not being intelligent; it's just a matter of learning how to work the system. What? I, being right. White, you know. Totally. So right, right. and yeah. then the entitlement being like, oh, this system's here to work for me, yeah. which right. is like the white male way, which exactly. is to be like, oh, this is all here at my disposal. Yeah. So I can use whatever I would like. And if you can't hack it and are in danger of, like, putting a stain on your family name, I mean, you should also feel, as a Puerto Rican woman, totally comfortable just jumping into one of the gorges over in Ithaca, you know? (laughs) That's a white trait, too. Yeah. (laughs) That that I would not. Actually, like, so in Ithaca, for those of you who don't know, like, it's like in upstate New York. There are, like, gorges and waterfalls everywhere. You actually have a, a bridge to cross to get from, like, the college town area into campus. And there's, like, a river running. And, like, mm-hmm. so there used to be jumpers. And mm-hmm. um, at one point, apparently, they were, like, putting up nets and fences yeah. and shit. And it looks so ugly. Yeah. And I'm like, really, guys? They're putting like, up nets? Yeah, it was, like, yeah, it was like Apple headquarters. You yeah. Know? Dude, let them jump. <laughs> Like, come on. It was just come like, on, dude. I don't know, you know, but. Wow. Yeah. But no, I remember this wow. one time. Like, I was in class, and the guy, I'm not going to say his last name, but his first name was Adam. And I still remember, like, he used to, like, stand in the aisle during the last five minutes of class because he wanted a head start to go and get to yeah. the professor to talk Fuck yeah. to her. I would do that. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So he... Wow. Yeah. So there was one time I really had a question about that particular class, and I had somewhere to be. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So then that day, I got up, and I did the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, and everybody... It was like... It was one of the... The big classes were all of us were combined, so there were 120 sure. students in the room, mm-hmm. and there's me and this guy. So then he took a step, and I took a step. The, the class is still going on. Mm-hmm. The teacher's looking at this whole shit, and she was, um, she was like this great, like, tall black lady who had like super had been like really into like the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and um, she was like the academic advisor for all the black and you know brown students and shit. Mm-hmm. 
And so she was just looking at the situation, and then she's like, okay, class over. And he ran, and I sprinted. And I just, like, started running. And I took my backpack, and I went like this to, like, cut him off. And I'm like, Adam, not today. Not today. And I just looked at her, and I was like, I have a question. She burst out laughing. And I was like, you know, what is... And then I, she, I, it was, like, so simple. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, it took two seconds, and then I left. And then I'm like, you can have your half hour now. Because that's what he would do. Like, he would monopolize people for that long. But that's what I learned. I'm just like, you can't... There's always going to be the negative feedback. Because it it is that saying where, like, oh, the guy's aggressive. You know, that's a good trait. And if a girl's aggressive, she's a bitch. And she's like this, Mm -hmm. that, and third. Totally. But at the end of the day, that's also what I've learned white people respond to. Like, they don't respond to you being, yeah, like, passive. Passive or polite. They respond to aggression. Right. Especially in the corporate world. Like, you have to, it's funny because they have to be able to relate to you in some fashion. And if you don't look like them, then at least you have to show that you can think like they do. And so, like, I would be really, like, strategically, I'm like, okay, so then this is what we need to do and this is how I think that this should go and these were my ideas on how we should be aggressive and, you know, trying to get work that way. But even, you know, I mean, I've had a job where I was told I wouldn't get put on cases unless the case was filed in Texas or Puerto Rico. Oh, shit. Because they thought since I was Hispanic, that would be, like, the only place I would appeal to juries. Well, yeah, I've heard they assemble defense teams like that and have done so for many many years yeah. you know if they have like a token defender on the right. other side mm-hmm. put like one there a woman or whatever they've always played like identity politics yeah 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 so but but it's like in this day and age especially when you're trying to make your mark and like i okay let me back up a second i made a statement once that said um You know, it's true that what they say that, you know, Hispanics and black people have to work twice as hard, Mm -hmm. right? Some people, you know, that I've talked to in the scene disagree with that because you don't want to put that pressure on your kids. Oh, in the comedy scene? Yeah. Oh, okay. But just as a general matter, right? But here's the thing. When I was an attorney, I'm working at one of the top law firms in the country. I went to Cornell Law School. I had clerked for a prestigious judge. And I had come from, like, an even more prestigious firm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting work. Meanwhile, there was a white guy two years younger than me next door who had gone to an unaccredited law school. Oh, wow. A fucking unaccredited law school who was going to, like... How do they even hire guys tape like a that? Dip his, a friend of a kid, you know, kid's friend. Or the nepotism thing? Yeah. yeah. But they had him out on the front in, like, cases yeah. and stuff doing and so, whatever? Like, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, he was the one, like, on depth. Jesus Christ. Doing, oh, yeah. you know, like, doing discovery. What like, school? Like, Bob Jones? It was Drexel. At the, Drexel <laughs> Drexel's at the time. unaccredited? It was at the time. Oh, wow. Drexel's a very, very new school. And the time I was there, like, I think it, it was unaccredited. So, that's why they got students, because they gave the first class free education. Because yeah. what else are we going to do? Yeah. Like, it's an unaccredited school. So, un- people who had graduated from an unaccredited law school, all the, like, the preppy white guys with the, you know, yeah. that, like, Duke look. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all get, and I'm just sitting there like, it was like a battle, like tooth and nail, just trying to get something substantive. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it it, it just gets to that point where you know, 
you have to recognize that number one sometimes no matter your environment like whatever you do isn't going to be enough right sure. and so that's why when you say like the perception is like oh you're like this great lawyer and da 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 like my education has afforded me certain opportunities but on the other hand it's just like you get to see how racist every aspect yeah is the you higher know, you go like, the higher you see it go the higher it goes you know yeah. you see like like wow this is i mean how systemic it is yeah for sure yeah yeah and then like you know you do have like the tokens that are hired Mm -hmm. as like signs of progress right yeah you know mm -hmm. but then it's so cutthroat that they're not necessarily always interested in bringing up people behind them they're just trying to survive where they are yeah right so they can be actually harder on, on us on you. Yeah. you know than the white guys mm -hmm. so it's funny right. because like all my mentors in the law by and large have been like white men Except for my judge, who was a Puerto Rican man, and he was like the first um, Puerto Rican justice on the New Jersey Supreme Court. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, like I've I've seen that like women as a general matter, and like women of color, it's just that the opportunities are so few and far between mm -hmm. that it's like it's more cutthroat than it should be. Yeah, and women have yeah. all have since the beginning of time, you know been pitted against one another because right. there's never enough room for more than X, Y, or Z amount. Right. Yeah. But I will say this. I, I did tell somebody, I was like, the, the comedy scene is way more cutthroat than the law. That was going to be, I was going to be, how does yeah. all this stuff that you're talking about through law school, like, how has all that transferred into your journey in comedy? Have you worked in, have you found comedy compare? Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, in the law, you still have to have a pretense mm -hmm. of civility. Right. Right? Like, you have to be like, hey, you know, per our prior discussion. Mm-hmm. This is my third request, or right. third and final request before I go to the judge. Yeah. Yada, yada. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then in comedy, it threw me off because on Facebook, you would be like, this motherfucker stole my joke, mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, this person thinks they're hot shit, or, you know, this person's... And I, it just threw me off because um, there's a lot of people in their 30s in the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's just not what I was used to yeah. in terms of, yeah. like, how you speak to people. Behavior. Yeah. So yeah, I was sure. just, like, so part of my, in like, it was kind of trial by fire mm -hmm. when I first got here because um, I think I've always tried to, like, be professional. Sure. And then I haven't always been treated professionally back. Mm -hmm. And then... It did get to the point at one point where I was like, listen, I'm new to comedy. Right. But I'm not new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you, new to life. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you want me to be a bitch, I mean, I could put that light on. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's not my preference. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. So, like, there have been people I've had to get into it with, but, like, otherwise my lesson in terms of, like, interaction is just kind of, like, just put your head down and focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I, honestly, like you're your own brand. Yeah. And so focusing on what someone else is doing is kind of like, you know, it's fruitless. It's fruitless. And it's, it's fruitless. And it's just like you're just craving drama at that point rather than like progression. Yeah. You so. just gotta carve out your own niche and yeah. find. There's so many people that come to these shows that have never been exposed to any kind of comedy. Totally. Like they have this sort of metric in their head of like where comedy falls or going to a comedy show on their bucket list. So you get yeah. like the people that go to Shackleford's rooms that are like you know, a youth group finishing 
hooking up a Sunday night session and they're <laughs> right. like, cool, free, you know, this or that and a deal on wings. Let's see some comedy. These will be like the guys on LCS or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and then they see me and then they're like appalled and they leave or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, th yeah. that's one. Then there's like people that might know one type of person who's a headliner, like the guy was hosting for all weekend and they don't mm -hmm. even like comedy like that but they mm -hmm. like this guy and then word gets around and then they bring that batch and then people discover you that way mm -hmm. so i just i doubled down on what i'm doing like i've just become in some respects i've become like i was a lot more crude and offensive but some of that i think was just typical piss and vinegar of what i thought being a comic or the comic was about when I started so now instead of just being offensive I'm more just like problematic <laughs> but well you're the, more strategic yeah it's a yeah. more strategic kind of thing but at mm -hmm. the same time I've become a little bit more ruthless in terms of like all right this is who I am like I don't want to do this one if I can't do it the way I like it as like a craft in my right. content but also, you know, there's an audience out there for it. Because I meet people every time that come up and will say, you should have been the headliner. Like, you should this. Or I'll follow your podcast. Or I'll do this. I'll mm -hmm. do that, you know. And it's like, all right, sweet. Great, yeah. you know. But that's the relationship you have to focus on. You have to focus on the relationship between you and the audience. Because so much of, like, the comedy scene yeah. is its own bullshit. Yeah. And obviously, you're, we're all, like, co-workers, right? So you create certain relationships, but there's sure. no HR department. No. And yeah. there's no, like, this is the way that you have to <laughs> right. behave. So it gets crazy. And right. people are booking each other. You know, comedy is so different than, like, I come from the acting world. Mm -hmm. And comedy at every level is very comedian to comedian on jobs. Like, when you're an actor, you don't get your jobs from other actors. Right. Like, other actors don't recommend you for shit. Like, actors have no power. Right. Like, even the biggest celebrity, you're just a hired hand on a movie. Like, very few people have any say in, like, anybody else that gets a job. Mm -hmm. But in comedy, like, it is comedian to comedian. Like, we're all also producing shows. Right. And that goes from, like, the smallest open mic local level to, like, large television deals. It's all comedian to comedian. You know, That's one right. comedian gets a show, he hires his other comedian friends to write for the show. Like, it's very... So it is sort of like higher stake competitive yeah. friendships and it's very easy i feel to get lost a lot of comedians i think get lost in that those relationships versus the only one that truly matters which is the one between you and your audience that's right yeah yeah and it's that was part of it for me that which just made me take a little step back because i i did take a big step back this past year from producing mm -hmm. a lot um and i was just like okay you really can't do both well in my opinion, for you me, can't. like it's either producing or being on stage, right? Mm. And for me, after a year of producing and seeing everything that's involved with it, yeah. and then all the egos involved with it, mm -hmm. and all the craziness that's involved with it, and dealing with owners and who don't understand what you need to do to run a good show, I was like, listen, God bless Sean Joyce and every and you know every other room runner mm. who does this, like permanently because that's not for me i was just like i can't it's really hard it's really really, really hard. hard because yeah. i'm just like i can't so for me i was like okay let me focus more on my stage time and i'm just trying to make an effort to like i unfollowed like i had friends with everybody on facebook i unfollowed everybody just so like my new my like um facebook stream is just like upworthy articles and like mm -hmm. you know whatever mm -hmm. is like positive or something and 
Sure. I'm very I'm rarely off on Facebook social media. Totally now. Yeah. It's been months. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, worry it's been about. It's like a year, right? Since you've been on It's Facebook? felt like that, but it's really only been about four or five months. Really? Yeah. That's it. Like October was my last pulse. Something like Make America but, Average again. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you long, but like you logged on for like a week or two. But before that, you were off. Did you take down your profile altogether? No, because it's still there. Because still okay. some people hunted me down with it recently. Oh okay. But, so um, you just don't log in. Yeah, I, I'm deactivated. Oh, okay. So you can find, I think, my picture. I don't think you can scroll anything, even if you are my friend or whatever. I don't think, I can't tag you on anything. Yeah, no one yeah. will even tag me. In yeah, anything. I always try to tag you in, like, the post for here or whatever, and it's, it won't let me tag you. It's fantastic, because I just have my own, like, opinions now. Like, it's my worldview. Like, you think you have that, because you're like, yeah, I can post just any game I want. But then you're, like, subconsciously looking at 2,800 other hot takes. And they start to kind of dilute the yeah. way you think because you start maybe clout chasing to get likes. Like, oh, people really like this. Totally. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. I'm going to go up on stage and say it, and then we'll see what happens. Like, right. The people I don't know. Right. It's like what Elena was just saying, you know, it's between me and the audience. It's not yeah. me just chasing, like, you know, the, the respect of my peers. Like, right. I know I more or less have that. Um, right already in this scene or most places where I go except for some people that are like sworn enemies but right. <laughs> that's a form of respect too you know it yeah. sure is um, do, you have, do you think you really think that oh I, think I know it I know I got sworn enemies oh, I got are enemies. a form of respect I mean I yes. have enemies yes. too but that's not by my choice if that's people just, give that much of a shit that's a form of respect yeah, oh, well, people then. give that much of a shit about what you're doing mm-hmm. I think that's respect in every sense, yep. because oh. well, then a lot of people respect me. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yes. yes, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm always I've surprised had... when someone's like trying to be my enemy. I'm like, you care about what I'm so doing? Many... Uh, wow. I've had like so much drama in such a short amount of time, and I'm just not a drama person. Um, so it's just interesting because everything that I've been involved with, I've had like I've reacted to. Mm-hmm. Like I've never initiated anything with anyone. But I will say, like for example. Like, there was a comic not too long after I started, maybe, like, two, three months in, mm-hmm. who started spreading these rumors about me and um, saying I was sucking dick for stage time, mm. more or less. Wow. And that's when I have to be like, okay. You're like, it's clearly, Jerome, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not headlining yet. I'm yeah, like exactly. three months in. If I was sucking dick, I'd be getting more time than this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm three months in. And that's when you have to pull the, like, listen, I'm an Ivy League educated lawyer and I make six figures. In what fucking world do I have to suck a dick for stage time? Like, it's not that serious. Yeah. It's a bar. That's yeah. right. You know, like, what? So, but it, like, it was one of those things where, like, I literally had to send an email and I'm like, this is going to be your last written warning. If one more thing comes back to me, I'm going to seek a restraining order and I'm going to sue you for slander. Mm-hmm. That's your choice. Mm. And I never heard anything again from that particular person. Wow. And so, like, I have had to put my lawyer hat on in the scene to be like, I understand how you do things mm-hmm. on Facebook and on, you know, and talking shit mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. spreading rumors and that's maybe your norm. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the business world... You don't do that well, because now it's done. yeah, because you're burning bridges unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm just like I've become a very like I've become much more guarded. 
um, than I think I was initially when I first got on the scene. I was like, yay, everybody, let's be friends. And you know, I'm so happy to I'm so happy to be here. And like, look, we're all like sharing the same passion. And like, I want to get to know everybody. I was never like that because I came in here and I could just see already there was a rift. And that's just from years of doing the shit I was doing out there all Mm -hmm. the time and dealing with people, bouncing all types of bad shit. And I remember 2012 looking at this, and I'm like, there's already camps you know yeah of people and then what was cool though and this happened like i watched people including myself kind of like you know insert themselves in these other camps here or there and that's where you kind of really learn to like respect certain people because you see like they're going to formulate their own opinion about you it's not going to be what, right you know douchebag number 10 tells him it's like right. oh he was doing this or that or whatever the rumors start getting dispelled and it's like you know when rogues fall out the just man gets his due you know? yeah 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 um and, and they started to kind of immerse more and now like it's amazing i mean if i had to draw a blueprint of looking at this dc comedy scene in 2012 and envisioning where it was going to go seven years later I would be completely fucking wrong wow Mm -hmm. like you just and and it's for the best it's been great Mm because I stuck with it you know um but there was there's people that are some of my best friends that have quit Mm -hmm. entirely for the most part um then there's people I didn't like some of whom are like my mentors now it's fucking crazy to think about it you know um but that's what that's the journey of it you know yeah that's what some people say because they're like oh life is long you know you might hate someone two years ago and then that person comes around yeah. and then you form this great friendship and da 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 yeah. that's my version of a fairy tale yeah i'm just right. kind of like because my point is like i actually really try you know like if i like you and i'm like i want to get to know you if i really do like go out of my way to make an effort sure but i also do have that codependent thing where i i probably take on too much of your problems yeah Mm -hmm. you know and try to solve your problems and try to be there for you and then get like a little pissed off we're like hey where's the reciprocity right Right. you know and but you're responsible for you you know so that's another thing that has gotten me into like situations where Mm -hmm. people are like you're overstepping yeah. And I have yeah. to look at that and say, you know what, that is right. And however you choose to handle it, like, all I can do is give you advice. That's right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's just a lot of, it's life. It's just, like, a lot of life lessons. But I'm saying, like, in terms of comedy, there's a fucking steep learning curve. Yeah. Because you learn a lot about, like, navigating just people with such vastly different life experiences. Mm-hmm. That, like you kind of have to meet people where they are and not like what you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, totally, that's, totally. that's another thing that I've been learning a lot too. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. When I came in, I was very, well, I tried, I didn't try doing stand up, but I tried when I was in college, I was friends with a lot of the comedian guys, by the way, half the comedian guys that I went to college with, like they're all on Saturday night live now. Some of them are very successful, like stand up comedians. Like there was a very strong comedy scene within the theater scene because I went to theater school and film school and within the theater film school scene there was a very strong comedy scene and I'd made friends with some of those guys 
But every time I would try out for improv or something, I kept getting rejected. And I was like, I feel like this isn't about skill. Like, I feel like this is about how I present. Mm -hmm. Because I present very, like at the time, I presented very sorority. Right. And very just blonde and this. And I don't present she's going to be a great comedian. I just don't. <laughs> mm, I just don't. Yeah. When you meet me, you're not like, this bitch is going to kill it. Yeah. You know, you're but like, this bitch might, might kill it, I don't know, in Aspen on a ski slope, but not, <laughs> you know, but she's not going to kill it on stage. Yeah. And so I stopped doing it. I stopped trying because I felt so much pushback. And because one thing led to another and, like, I got, I managed to get a career in soap opera acting. And so when I moved here, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try this again. And then I tried doing improv and I got the same pushback when I first moved here. And I was like, I have so much more experienced acting wise than so many people here. I know this isn't about skill. So let me try stand up. And I tried stand up with that same attitude that you're talking about where I was like trying to be friendly, but I figured out within two weeks that I was like, Oh, even local stand up in Washington DC is just like college. Yeah. So I'm just going to ignore all of this shit. Yeah. And just pretend to be nice to people that I have to for stage time. Even though if I've ever been nice to you for stage time, it's totally real. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And just do do what I got to do and just go through it and not care about what any of these people say. Because there's so much judgment about being a, you know, if you're, if you're a woman and funny, you apparently have to look a certain way. And I don't present that way. Yeah. So I just have to be funny on stage, and eventually they'll respond. And I found in those two years, a lot of these guys have start, have responded to me in a totally different way than they did when they first met me, because at this point, I'm proving myself. Right. And if I'm making a whole room laugh, it's like, forget the purse I'm wearing. Like, I, I'm good at stand-up. Right. I'm good at stand-up. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that has, has been the way that I've been trying to crack this code, because other than that, you just can't get involved in all the other... Well, it's funny for me, like... One one reason I, I think sometimes that, like, rumors don't bother me is because I'm the queen of receipts. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's just amusing to me sometimes. And it's, like, completely uncomedy related. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was, like, a beef at work one time, three different versions of the story, and, like, you know, there was some version that put me in a bad light. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, receipts. You know what I mean? And I'm not that person. Like, you know you, you know what throws me off sometimes, too, when I see comics posting, like, fucking screenshots of, like, all these chats? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you seen? I was just yeah. like, that's another reason why I unfollow people. I'm like, that is such a time suck into mm-hmm. someone else's world. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think of it that way. And that's when I think people fuck up. For, like, for me, it's an exhibit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've saved some of the other saved ones just yeah. for my records. But I'm like, for, yeah, for me, certain it's, not, circumstances. it's not to post on Facebook. It's to attach the fucking complaint if this shit goes too far. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's how I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not... I just, I just really think that people in this scene would would really stand to, like, take a business class or something just to learn, like... They should go to etiquette. Cornell. I know. Not yeah. Cornell. We could go to like UDC online. I don't think that's accredited. <laughs> it doesn't I matter. That, I looked at that law school. It doesn't matter, school, apparently. And then I went across the road to the Howard Law School, and mm-hmm. they were like, I heard a rumor you could get tokenized if you were a honky, and they'd give you like a free ride. And then I applied, and then I never got anything back. And then two days after classes start, I get an acceptance letter. Talking about we could give you aid. 
in atypical black fashion. I'm fucking around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually told, I told one of my cousins to apply to Howard. I did. Yeah. I think he would like it. But yeah, so, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm really, I have a lot of other shit going on. So comedy, mm-hmm. the scene itself has taken like a, like a back, back seat. Right. Like at the back of the bus. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just trying to get time when I can. I have a show coming up in a couple weeks at the improv. Oh, nice. I'm going to be hosting for, um, Oh, you got to remember his name. What the fuck? Receipts. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus Trejo. Jesus oh. Trejo. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. So it's going to he's going to be in the lounge the 8th and the 9th. Oh, it's a lounge show? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Who's so featuring? Uh, Courtney Farrington. Nice. Yeah. yeah nice. awesome. That should be fun. That'll be kick-ass. Yeah. What else you got coming up? Anything? That's it. Well, I have my I have the Wednesday show now talking with Teresa okay. at Listen Vision, which you gotta come through. If yeah. you're about, it's every Wednesday at six, and some that's hard to find. Co- it's been hard for me sometimes to find people because like a lot of people work and can't get off yeah. on time and get there on time. So I've had a, like a revolving door of different folks, and then if I can't get anybody, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, that's something. Like, holy damn! Just let me know. Yeah, that's it. fun. That'll be great. And uh, coming up at the D.C. Draft House on uh, February wait a minute it's February 1st yes. and 2nd yes this coming weekend I'm going what's I'm this looking. coming weekend okay so my man Pete Lee is coming through from True TV's greatest ever NFL Rush and Comedy Central uh, 7 and 9 o'clock uh that's Friday and Saturday, and same times apply for each evening. And follow us on CounterCurrents, Currents DC on Twitter, as well as our Instagram page for a chance to potentially win three free pairs of tickets. Um, yeah, we'll throw it out of a hat on our Facebook page and we'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, additionally, that night, the Attack of the Comics comedy show will be happening at 1045. Um, that's Friday. That yeah. is Friday. And then Saturday, the three guys on Saturday Comedy Showcase. Um, let's see what we got over at Arlington. I remember what we have at Arlington. Oh, you do. Arlington, the Daily Show Comedy Writers Tour. Oh, shut will up. Be wow. at Arlington Draft House on Friday and Saturday. Uh, those shows are at 7 and 9. Oh, I'm going to 7.30 Friday, 7:30. 10 p.m. Friday, then 7 Saturdays, 9.30 Saturday. Oh, that so check fun. that out. That'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah, you also would give away tickets for that, too. Yeah. So. Oh, you can give me a pair. Yeah. <laughs> Offer only applies to those who haven't already followed the page. Yeah. <laughs> it's new yeah. followers only. Yeah, yeah. I got so it. New followers, check that out. Come see some great comedy. Petey, what do you have going on this week? Anything? This week, let's see, so we have our No Pulp Comedy Showcase headliner Dom Rivera this Wednesday at the Colony Club on Kenyon in Georgia, Northwest. Me and Adrian Rodney have it. Got a couple other good comics on there, but I'll let you uh, check out the link. You can find it on Eventbrite or Gold Star and see who's available. $2. Come on. It's Wednesday night. Um, Thursday night. The 31st, we have our other show at formerly the Black Squirrel in Adams Morgan, now known as Seasonings and Sessions. Seasons and Sessions, yeah, I, I'm 
I'm not a fan of the new name. What? <laughs> kind of a tongue twister. That's the one on 18th? That's the one on 18th. Okay. That's exactly right. And you can find that on Eventbrite as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, Randolph is headlining that night. Randolph Terrence. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, good. come check us out. And I've got a show. I'll be at DC Improv on February 5th. So Ooh. you guys can come see that. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Of course.